This morning is found in Luke chapter 2. I invite you to turn there with me. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. If you don't have your own Bible with you today, you can raise your hand and a Bible will be brought to you. We'll be reading from the ESV, and so the Bibles that we bring will be in the ESV. If you like one of those, please raise your hand and an usher will bring one to you. Let's all stand in respect to the reading of God's holy word. Please give attention to God's word as I read and follow along with me as I read aloud. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherd told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. May God give us understanding in his word today to appreciate the truth, the message of grace that comes from, from God, from his word. <clears throat> Would you please remain standing with me as we have a word of prayer, and then after prayer, our choir will come with special music, and then the preaching of God's word today. We thank you, Father, that we could come today, that you allowed us to um, get here safely. You allowed us to wake up and to see another day. And uh, 
We thank you for the, the uh, children's program earlier today, all who had a part in that. We just thank you for that going well and the message of Jesus in his birth as our Savior. We thank you for that message. Today we pray for several who are not feeling good today. We ask that you would watch over them. We thank you for those who you have blessed during the week. We know Mr. Dick was not feeling good to this week, and you have allowed him to be here today, his wife as well. We're thankful for that. It's an answer to our prayers, and we pray that you just continue to, to watch over and be with them and bless them. Um, we pray for, for Dale, for, for James Griffin, that you might bless him and for Trinace, his wife, as they deal with the illness and the virus today. We also pray for our Brian, who's here but has been struggling with just different things, and his entire family, as they've struggled, as many have, with uh, just flu and virus and sicknesses. We just pray your blessing on them. We thank you for the kind family that's back with us now in full, and just asking you to continue to watch over and bless them and, and uh, uh, keep them uh, in health and, and in strength. So we pray your blessing on each one that's here. We're thankful for each one, Lord. And uh, we ask that you would just help us to give attention to your word today and to uh, be blessed by what it is you give to us from your word. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Before we sing, um, I asked if it'd be okay if I shared a little testimony with everybody. Um, my grandfather passed away this week a few days ago, and I just want to thank the church for the prayers for me and for my family. Um, he was an 87-year-old man who went out unexpectedly, or passed away unexpectedly, while he was soloing on a mountain on his snowmobile in Montana. Um, he went out kind of a blaze, blaze of glory, a glaze of glory. Um, he was a strong man, he was confident, and I believe he stood in the truth. And though he wasn't a preacher or uh, an evangelist, a missionary, um, just hearing the stories that have been shared, he, he touched a lot of lives, and he reached a lot of people, and everyone has very fond memories of him, and, and I like to think that uh, God will use that to draw some to him. Um, I also want to thank God for, uh, for my voice. It's not uh, angelic, it's not going to carry any of you away to glory out of your seats right now. Um, but it is unique to me. God's given it to me, and I praise him for it because I have not been able to sing for the last six weeks. I've had a cough, and my throat's been strained, and it got to the point where last week when we were practicing for our, our Christmas program, they actually asked me not to sing because it was that bad. <laughs> so today, I get to sing backups for one of my favorite, my favorite voices in the world, Aaron. I got to sing backups for him. I got to sing a solo and lead the boys through some um, sign language stuff. And I get to sing and lead a song today, and I just praise God for that. That in this, in this season, we remember his birth, we celebrate his birth. I have my grandpa's passing away to remind me that Jesus Christ was born, but he was born to actually die. And that was the critical part, that he died for our sins. And then beyond that, he died for our sins, but he's called us to repentance. And when we repent and believe, we're going to be rejoiced, and we're going to be singing, and we're going we're gonna to shout. So uh, this song is called Celebrate His Birth in... Uh, a little inside, it's, it's called Nick's rap song. I'm on the, 
the choir circle, but I've been sworn to not do that, so we'll see. Let the spirit lead. <laughs> no, no, not Nick's spirit, because then we're going off the off a cliff like Grandpa. So. <laughs> All right, oh, no. thank you. in God, you believe in Christ, you have so many things to be joyful about, to sing about, to shout about, to rejoice in, to celebrate. I want to add one for me. Tomorrow, the 19th, marks the 41st year for Donna and I being married. Donna, would you stand up? Stand up. Let, let, let them see. Amen. I get to look at that every day. <laughs> it's been a blessing. Praise God for that. Amen. Some of you were here during that, so y'all getting old. <laughs> we have so much to celebrate also. Um, in just a few days, Donna will be celebrating her 21st birthday again. <laughs> On the 21st. That's why we call it the 21st birthday. <laughs> so much to enjoy and celebrate. Our passage today we'll look at is Luke chapter 2. And we want to make a point of reading, as we, we do in the month of December, reading through the Gospels that tell the story of Christ's birth. Uh, because it is overlooked it's overlooked everywhere, and it shouldn't be. The most significant birth in all of history. We're not sure of the day or even the month that Jesus was born in, but we're sure that he was born. And we have account, the account of him coming being born into this life, being born on this earth. The most significant birth in all of history. He spent just a short 33 years here. 33 years. But in that time, he changed all of history and all of eternity. Luke gives the account of him, and it's pictured from other viewpoints. The first viewpoint that we see is that of Mary and Joseph. As we have seen in the Gospel of Matthew, the, the angel Gabriel announced to Mary, and then another time announced to Joseph what was going on, that she would become pregnant. Even though they were not married, even though she was a virgin, they had no sexual relationship, uh, no physical sexual relationship going on, she would become pregnant. And the angel explained how this would happen and why this would happen. But here in Luke chapter 2, what we see is a government's decree 
that forces Joseph to come from his hometown in Nazareth and go down to Bethlehem. Now, why is this significant? It's significant because from the Old Testament scriptures, God through the prophets had proclaimed that the Christ, the Savior, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, would be born in a specific place. And that place was Bethlehem. He would be born by a specific person that would be a young woman who was indeed a virgin. So a virgin had to give birth in Bethlehem for this to happen. And yet, when the angel announced to Mary that she was the virgin that was going to give birth, she was still in Galilee. She had to travel a long way to get to Bethlehem. And what was the purpose of it? Well, it shows God's sovereign plan and how he uses any and everything he desires. There's nothing that thwarts God's plan. There's nothing that is out of his control. And I'm really excited about this one. It says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. I want you to think about that for a moment. If you studied the history uh, that Rome was the greatest nation to rule over the entire earth. The greatest civilization. In fact, it's a civilization that still exists today. We are, in essence, under that Roman government and their style of government and their style of rule. So it says the man who was head of the greatest nation over the whole world made some kind of decree. Now, what was he thinking? It said the decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. When it says all the world, he's talking about all of the, the Roman world, all of the world that was under his power. You know how people are, especially in power. They, they kind of think that, Everything is about them, right? So the whole world is, is theirs. Now, obviously, he didn't rule the whole world, but he was, a, he was a significant power, most significant power on the world at that time. And he made this decree that everybody in this kingdom should be registered. Now, I don't like governments. I have a nasty taste in my mouth <laughs> for governments. And I, I can tell you why. It's because you've heard of that, 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 that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. You've heard that saying, right? So true it is. When you give somebody so much power in the sinful nature of man, it's hard for that power not to get to their head and go out of control. But God has deemed that government would rule and set the pace for our society. And so we have sinful governments over all the world because we have sinful people who are part of those governments. And this man decided that everybody under his command should be registered. He should have a list of every person, kind of like a census, but I think even deeper than that. A, a, a register, uh, can you imagine in our computer age how, how we do that now? But yet, they did this back then. He wanted a manual list of everybody that existed 
and where they lived and who they were. Now, why would he want such a thing? In our own King James Version, it gives us a clue. He says, they should not just be registered, but this is for taxing purposes. And, you know, you, you, you go, oh, wow, yeah, that makes sense. It's all about the money. It's all about the power. Whatever you think of that, he made a decree that everybody needed to be registered, and that include Joseph and Mary. And they were to go to their hometown. I don't know exactly how that all worked, but they were required to go back to their hometown. This was no easy task for them. Whatever they were doing, it's not like us today. If I was required to go back to my hometown, it would just be a two-hour ride back to Cook County, Illinois. But if you were required, perhaps you lived further away, you'd have to make arrangements to do that in person. Imagine not having a mode of transportation that we have today. And that's where you see Mary and Joseph having to travel from Nazareth in Galilee all the way to Bethlehem. They were required to do that. It says in verse 4, And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. So it wasn't God's decree that, that moved him from Nazareth to Bethlehem. It was a man named Augustus Caesar who said, you got to do this. And think about the timing. If that had been a year prior or several months before, even if Mary was pregnant, that baby would have born, been born somewhere else. But the timing was such, and I want you to notice, this is not just accidental or coincidental. This is providential. God has determined that this would happen this way to fulfill what he has promised. It's not an accident. It's a purpose. And it seems like it's in the control of men or one single individual, but it's under God's design. What comfort does that bring to me? Is that God is in control of every detail. And that he will bring about what he has promised because he controls all of the things that are involved, even governments and top officials. It's amazing to me that Joseph went along. I guess I would have been complaining and arguing and fussing, and it don't make no sense for me to have to get off my job, take time off, travel with my family. My pregnant wife has to travel on these roads just so I can get to Bethlehem to be on somebody's list. Man, I would have been upset. But it says, Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed. By the way, it says, who was with child? And while they were there, the time came. Now, suppose he had registered quickly and was on his way back home. 
while they were there, and it just so happened that while they were there, there was no place for them to stay. But I'll get to that in a moment. When we get to the next section, it says, there were in the same region shepherds out in their field, keeping watch over their flock, and something happens. An angel appears to these shepherds. It's interesting that God will send his messenger. The word angel means messenger. God will send his messenger to these shepherds. Shepherds are just everyday people. They're just like me and you, basically insignificant. But God sends a message to them. You, you remember uh, 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 in, in, in the account in Matthew, uh, it was Herod the king who was trying to find out where this child was going to be born so he could do his business or do his best to get rid of this child. God didn't send messengers, angel messengers, to Herod, by the way. He sent them to the Magi and and Herod heard about it through them. But God didn't send it to the so-called important big people of the day. He sent it to little nobodies like me and you. He sent it to the shepherds. So the angel appears to the shepherds, and it says when, it, when the angel appeared, the glory of the Lord shone around them. We made a note that when Gabriel came and talked to Zechariah, uh, he, he had to tell Zechariah, listen, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. There's something about a person who, who communes with God that, that, that you're going to see that. You're, you're going to feel something different. You're going to see something different about that person. In other words, you cannot connect with God and be untouched. You cannot commune and fellowship with God and stay as you are and be unaffected. That's why for people say, well, yeah, I believe Christ, and they still live in the same old sloppy life. He said, you don't know nothing about him. You know nothing about him. You cannot sit in his presence, live under him, worship him, and dwell with him without being yourself impacted. So it says the angel, when he came and appeared to the shepherd, this is just one angel, appeared to the shepherd, it says the glory of the Lord shone about them. It tells us in scriptures that when the angels are in in heaven, that God's glory is there. And so now they come down to earth, they're not God. They share some of that. They, they couldn't help but to bring a little bit of it down to earth. And it was so amazing to these shepherds. Now, you got to think, David himself was a shepherd. And shepherds are brave, courageous men. When a lion comes to attack their sheep, they don't run away. They run too. They face whatever challenge that comes to them. But when this angel came, huh, something else, it says, And they were filled with great fear. Not just a little bit afraid. It said filled, and then it it explained it as great fear. Why is that? This angel is a being that's been in the presence of Almighty God. 
and he comes to give them a message. But his mere presence is so awesome that, <laughs> that they are so taken that they see the, the, the angel more than they hear the message. And he has to say, hey, man, fellas, calm down, man. Just, just chill out. I ain't going to hurt you. That's what he did. He says, don't be afraid. Fear not. Because I'm bringing you good news. <laughs> this is what the angel tells the shepherd. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And here's what he says. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. What he's saying is, look, this Old Testament prophecy that prophesied that God had planned and promised to Abraham and to all his descendants that he would bring a Savior from heaven has come. This Savior is the Christ. He has come. In fact, he is being born this day, they tell the he tells the shepherd. This Christ. He's called Christ the Lord. Lord means the one who is supreme, who rules over, who has dominance over, dominion over, power and authority. He is the Christ, the Lord. And he says, this is your sign. You'll find a baby. That, that just doesn't match. Wait a minute. Lord, powerful, authority over all, ruler, deliverer, a baby. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Swaddling cloths. In that culture, they wrapped newborn babies in cloths. It kind of pictures like a mummy, we would think. And that's exactly how they wrapped them. They wrapped head to toe in cloths that only the eyes could be seen. I mean, in Wisconsin, we understand that. <laughs> you got a newborn baby, you're going to face the weather, you're going to wrap them up good. They, you know, they don't need to hold a bottle. They can't do that. And so all you need to do is wrap them up. And so you, it looks like this mummy all wrapped up. But the significant thing is that swaddling cloths, those are birthing cloths that were used in that day. But what they did in that day was uh, just kind of like we would do today. I say we, I think we're getting out of this now. We, 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 we so crazy in our culture now, we don't know the difference between male and female. I was going to say we often, you know, dress the little baby boys in, in blue and dress the girls in pink. And uh, 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 we probably get away from that now, um, which we shouldn't be. God said in the beginning he created them male and female. That's how it is, and that's how it should be. They would wrap these, but what you could tell, the distinction they would use is the type of wrapping used was, uh, 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 would tell you what kind of family they came from or the, the uh, uh, social stance of that family. So you would have a decorative, beautiful wrapping for someone of high esteem or high family. This baby was wrapped in rags. This baby was wrapped in common cloth. 
Nothing fancy about it at all. In fact, if you looked at this baby and you saw the wrappings, you knew this was a poor child. It indicates that because when they got time to, to uh, uh, when they got to Bethlehem, they didn't even have a place to stay. I don't know if it was crowded in there. I guess it was. But you would think common sense would say, hey, look, you got a young family with a mother who's about to give birth. Give her, some, give her a room. Give her a place. Give up your space. But that's how it was for Jesus when he was born. A rude culture. Not a, a, a no courtesy shown at all. You know, um, our culture is, is tending toward that now. People don't care whether they rob an a, a older woman. Uh, uh, they, they don't care. They don't respect whether it's a man or a woman or older or younger. They, they don't care. They just want to get what they can get. We have a disrespectful culture. But that's nothing new. Mary and Joseph would have been struggling. It would have been obvious that she was very near birth, and now she has a baby, and still nobody says, hey, man, you can have my place. You can, you can move in with me. You can share something that I have. But no, it says they laid him in a manger. In verse 7, it says, she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloth, and laid him in a manger. Some of us that are not familiar with the farm scene need to be reminded that the manger was the building place, the, the, the occupancy of animals. It was a barn, as we would think of it. Some of us wouldn't even put our cars in a place like that. Think about it. As you travel throughout this, this season, how many of us keep our pets inside? Even our animals have shelter from the harsh weather. And yes, this was inside, enclosed, but it was where the animals would spend their time. It's where they would eat where they would sleep. It was where they would do their business. You can imagine what that smelled like. You imagine what that felt like. That's the courtesy I was given to Mary and Joseph. So the angel, when he gives this message to the shepherds, he says, this is how you're going to know that what I'm saying is absolutely true. You're going to find a baby. You're going to find a wrapped in swaddling clothes, and he's going to be lying in a manger. You see, those, those things don't compute. They don't make sense. First of all, this is the Christ. Why is he dressed like a poor slum kid? And where is he placed? Even after he's born, did anybody have the courtesy to invite them in? No. He's still out there in the barn. He's lying in a manger. He's not decorated in any way. And isn't that the picture of Jesus? He came to serve. He came to give his life. He came with a purpose to die on a cross for my sin and for your sin. 
He didn't fight for his privilege. He didn't fight for esteem. He knew who he was. But nobody treated him with the respect that was due him from his birth. And then think about his death. Stripped of all of his clothing. Nailed to a cross to be publicly displayed and made fun of and ridiculed. But that's just the mental part of it, physically tortured to death slowly. Nobody paid him the respect that was due him. So the angel says to the shepherds, this is how you're going to know. You will find this baby wrapped in cheap clothes or rags and lying in a manger. It says in verse 13, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, I know the scene that you get, but I can't help but to think, now wait a minute, God, you're sending all these angels to rejoice, but not a one of them has been commanded to change the circumstance of your son to which he's been born in. God has the power, but he has chosen to bring his son into this, and it doesn't change. He could have brought one angel and said, this is my son. I'll create the environment and the clothing that depicts who he is. But he didn't do that. He sent him to earth for you and for me. And the angels rejoice. Glory to God in the highest and on earth earth peace among those with whom he is pleased you see they're thinking in their mind in the plan of God Lord God Father there's coming a time when every knee will bow every tongue will confess that he will indeed be king of kings and lord of lords there's coming a time when that will be explicitly clear but now human beings don't know who they see and who he is, and they don't treat him with proper respect. Jesus comes. Revelation gives us a whole different picture of Jesus. He's decked out in his royal gear. He's leading an army, and he's coming to do business. He's respected as king of kings and lord of lords. Has anything about his nature changed? No. God has clothed him in common human flesh so that he could die for me and for you. The angels rejoice. In other words, they let God's plan be. This is God's plan. So the angels go away. The shepherds come together and say, hey, this is amazing. We've got to go over to Bethlehem. We've got to see this thing. And so they do that. And sure enough, it says in verse 16, they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe. The baby. Where is he? Lying in a manger. Verse 17 says, and when they saw it, can you imagine that? 
They come in and they look and they see and they're trying to connect. They were terrified when messengers of God gave them this significant, important message and he told them what they would see, but now they see what he said they were seeing. It's, it's, there's a disconnect, but a connect. Here's what I mean. Disconnect is this is not how you treat the Christ, the Lord, but there's a connect. Angel said that's exactly where it's going to be. And so he is who they said he is. He's true. He's sent from God. Verse 17, when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered, pondering them in her heart. I can say this about the shepherds. Once they heard from the messengers, once they heard from God, they no longer look for just the appearance of things. You have a baby that's born and in a very humble setting. They no longer just look at that appearance. They look at the reality behind that appearance. They, they look at what God has said. This child is the Christ, the Savior of the world. You see, that's what happens with those who believe. We look at Christmas different. We look at Christ's birth different. We look at the world different. We look at the power that our government has and what it's doing different because we see God's control and God's plan and, and his sovereignty over all of it, and we see things differently. We rejoice in God's plan in what he's doing. To everybody else, eh, it's just a dude and his wife happy enough to have to come to Bethlehem while she was pregnant and she had her baby. But to the shepherds, it was different. The shepherds knew what God had announced, and they were acting accordingly. What did they do? It says they went and they spread this abroad. They began to speak. It, it impacted their whole lives. Verse 21 says this. At the end of eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus. The name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. In other words, the angel told Mary, we can see that in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, that this child to be born is to be called Jesus. Now, the word, the name Jesus comes from uh, Yeshua. It comes from Jehovah saves. It's the Joshua of the Old Testament, that, that same name. Jesus was, in fact, that. But the, the, uh, uh, the angel also announced in Matthew that he would be Emmanuel, called Emmanuel, because Emmanuel means God with us. And that's who this Jesus is. So it says when it comes time for him to go to the ceremonial circumcision that the Jews did in obedience to the scripture, he was named and he was called Jesus. 
the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. In other words, he's reflecting God's purpose and God's plan for him. When we celebrate Christmas, we ought to be thankful for God's great plan. The sovereignty of God to use even the most powerful government of that day, of the world in that day, to bring about his purpose. The grace that we see in God's plan to, to use the lowliest of things presented in a lowly way. You remember back in Luke chapter 1 when Mary praised God for what was doing and she says, my soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. He has looked on the humble estate of his servant. He says in verse 49, for he who is mighty has done great things to me and holy is his name. You can see her exalting God and humbling herself. Then, then she says this, his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arms. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. God does things differently than how we would do them. You have Herod, who's king, who's, who's sitting up high. You have Jesus, who's Lord, who's in a, in a manger, in a crib, in a barn for animals. But God is going to exalt his son, and he's going to squash down every authority that doesn't acknowledge him. Psalms 2 tells us, kiss the son lest he be angry. In other words, it says this, honor Christ or you'll pay for it. That's the real message. Recognize who Christ is now. Bow down to him now. Submit yourself to him now or there'll come a time when you wish you had but you won't be able to. It says worship this now, this Jesus now. You know, in, in, in our human thought, I know I would think, well, then, God, why did you just make it big so we would just naturally be drawn to this Jesus? You know, maybe he'd be born as a baby, but he'd have, like, super glow or something all around him. Everybody's song would just be, whoa, you know. He didn't do that. Just a baby wrapped in rags. God did this because he draws people to truth and to faith by his power, not by their own reckoning or their own ability or their own insight. God has to do something in you to open your eyes to see who this Jesus is. What he does is he does this work through his Holy Spirit, through his word, to make you recognize this one. Just like the shepherds, when they saw this child, then they said, wow. Now, what were they looking at? A little baby in a manger. But it's exactly what the angel had told them. And so now they can see. This is the Christ. 
this. I love that song, What Child Is This? <laughs> it's saying, this is Christ the Lord. What, what is it that happened that awakened them to let them see and to know the same Holy Spirit that awakens us today to say, this is his son. Listen to him. God says times in, the Old, in the New Testament, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. In Deuteronomy uh, 18, uh, Moses says, there's coming another uh, 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 prophet after me. This is the one that you will listen to. And if you don't listen to him, God will require it of you. As I mentioned in, in, in Psalm 2, kiss the son, lest he be angry. Recognize, see, have your eyes opened and see who this Jesus is. And guess what? It changes all of your Christmas. It changes it. You no longer have the empty hopes. If I asked you what you got for Christmas last year, would you even remember? Would you even know? Would you hold on to it? What about two years ago? What about three years ago? What about four years ago? What about 400 years ago? You see, Jesus doesn't change. The impact of Jesus is for all of eternity. So it changes our focus on, on what this Christmas is and what God has done in his son. It wakes us up. It lights us up. It alerts us to God's holy plan. This is done by the revelation of God through the angels to the shepherds. But then God doesn't speak to everyone by angels. The shepherds went out and spoke. And God expects us to believe and to listen to the other messengers that God has given. Because they're both telling the truth. Same truth. So shepherds are speaking today. <laughs> and they're going out and they're just telling you like it is. They're just telling you what they saw. That's kind of a picture of Luke's gospel. He's writing this to share with us. Remember in Luke chapter 1, he says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you. Luke said, I'm just putting it together as God has given it to me. I may not have been an eyewitness myself, but I saw and I heard and I talked to those who were eyewitnesses like the shepherds, like Mary herself. And I'm telling you, put it in a format so that you can hear what God has to say. That, that's what the word of God is. And God is saying, what are you doing with this truth? What are you doing with this Jesus? Have you change your whole life in regard to the truth about him? Are you now willing to submit to him, acknowledge him as the Christ, the Lord, bow down, worship him, obey him, and commit your life then to him? Nothing less than that will do when you understand who this Jesus is. Father, we thank you for the message that you give from the angels, the message you give from your word, the message you give from the shepherds, it all comes together. And your Holy Spirit is impressing that message on, on us today.
And I pray, Lord, the hearts that you are speaking to today might respond. Some who know you as Lord and Savior are just simply saying amen and thank you, Lord, for what you've done. And others, Lord, who are contemplating this truth, Lord, I pray that you would speak to those hearts and draw them to trust Christ as their Lord and Savior. Help them to recognize that this trust that you call them into is a trust that dominates their whole life and changes their whole life. They'll never be the same, nor should they be after they encounter you and your truth. Lord, we pray that you'd impact in this way through your message, through your word today. In Jesus' name we pray.